back in 2010, uh, my family and I had gone and done a, a wedding in Atlanta, and then surprised at that time, just we had three kids, now I have four, but took our three kids down to Disney for a few days, and um, my little five-year-old girl at the time, she's now 12, um, uh, becoming a young lady, but my f- little five-year-old girl at the time was, was fearless. If, if there was anything before us and, and I, I, I grabbed her hand or something and said, hey, let's go, she would, she would be like, all right, let's do this. Let's get this on. But this trip to Disney changed that. Uh, we come up to this roller coaster, Mount Everest, stand. Um, she's, she's all like, let's, you know, yeah, let's, let's go, Dad. Yeah, let's ride this together at five. And I'm like, okay. And so we get on it. We're doing good. We're screaming. We're having a good time. We're holding on. And, and yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and then we get to that mangled track. And she turns and looks at me, and I'll never forget it. She goes, Dad, what's next? <laughs> and the guy in front of us turns and says, we're going backwards. And I'm like, we are? <laughs> and she looks at me, and I look at her, and all of a sudden, the head goes down. She's holding on like this, and she's like, no, no, I don't want to go backwards. I don't want to go. And, I, and so I'm like, you know, I, I, I go from, you know, uh, this is going great to like, oh, my goodness, oh, my goodness, what I do, what I do? And I'm holding on to her the whole way and all this. I mean, there's things popping out as we're going backwards. And I'm like, oh, God, why did I do this? And, and we get off, and my wife looks at me, and she's like, we shouldn't have done that. And I'm like, no. <laughs> she's in tears, and, and um, it just it changed everything. Uh, it changed everything. Uh, sometimes life is full of roller coasters, obstacles, tracks, paths that end in, in mangled tracks where you look up and like, where's this going? What's next? What's coming? Life can be like that. A life is full of, of risk. Now there's foolish risk. This might have been one of those days for me. We've all been there before. We've taken risk, foolish risk. But I believe the Bible encourages you and I this morning, encourages you and I as a, as a people, as a church this morning, to take Christ-exalting risk. I think the Bible encourages that. Foolish risk? No. You want to jump from an airplane? Go ahead. Eye flies down the street, probably a little better. Not foolish risk, but Christ-exalting risk. Um, And here's what I mean this morning. If we think about the dictionary definition of, of risk, risk is defined as the exposure to the possibility of injury or some kind of loss. It can include loss of, of money if we take a financial risk. It can include losing face, being humiliated, being injured, or maybe losing your life. Um, I've taken some of those before, those foolish risks that were stupid at the end of the day. But Christ is not calling us to that. He's calling us to Christ's exalting Risks. 
Now, God himself takes no risk whatsoever because he knows the outcome. He knows the future. He knows what's coming. It's called the foreknowledge of God. And so God doesn't take risk. Instead, God makes big sacrifices. That's what he does. But you and I, instead, we're called to take risk because guess what? We're ignorant of what's going to occur. We don't have foreknowledge. But here's what I would say today. Very little happens of significance in a church or even an individual's life apart from risk of one degree or another. And so what might that look like this morning? And just to kind of get us going, listen to Jesus. Jesus says this in Luke 9, verse 23 and 26. What he calls us to is a life that costs us something. A life that involves risk. And listen to what he says. He says, if anyone wishes to come after me, he must deny himself. Take up his cross daily. Follow me. For whoever wishes to save his life, they will lose it. But whoever loses his life for my sake, he is the one who will save it. For what is a man profit if he gains the whole world, loses or forfeits himself? For whoever is ashamed of me and my words even afraid of losing faith for Jesus' sake, the Son of Man will be ashamed of that person when he comes in his glory, the glory of the Father and the angels. As a disciple of Christ, we've been called to a life that costs you and I something. And I would say Christianity truly is a risk-filled life of one degree or another. And what I would like to do this morning is, is look at Paul's life of risk the risk he took. I think if you look at Acts 21 through 28, that's kind of what we get. Uh, we're not going to teach these last few chapters expositionally like we, we do uh, most Sundays. And so this Sunday and next Sunday, we're going to close out Acts by, by looking at some specific points. And one of the things I want us to see today is Paul's risk. Because he took so many. He, he knew it very well. He was on his way to Jerusalem about to face threats and danger. And in the last few chapters of, of this beautiful writing that we have about the church and, and what Christ and through the Holy Spirit is doing through his people, we see the Apostle Paul and he's taking a gift, a monetary gift, to Jerusalem to, to help the poor saints in Jerusalem. It's kind of like our Advent giving. There was a giving taken up, and he is going to take that. By the way, our Advent giving, if you haven't been here in the last few weeks, or, or maybe you, you don't know yet, but, but our goal was 70000 for our Advent giving, and, and we blew it out of the water. 86000 is what was given, and so praise the Lord for that. Uh, yeah, that is awesome. That's, 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 that's awesome. God did that, and, and tell you what, through your generosity, and, and so here's what was happening is, is over $37,000 has been given away to impact mission work from Papua New Guinea to, to our own backyard here to, to Young Life in Carrollton uh, to many different places, real options, you name it, has already been given away to impact ministry. And you're gonna hear more about it through the year, but that's what Paul was doing. Paul was taking a gift to Jerusalem. He was going to strengthen the churches in Jerusalem, eventually to Rome, and listen to his heart before he goes. Uh, this is a heart willing to take risk, willing to, to take Christ's exalting risk for the glory of God. In Acts 21, 13, he says this. He says, I am not only willing to be bound, but even to die at Jerusalem for the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. 
And what's amazing, as soon as Paul gets in Jerusalem, that's what happened. You remember, he's in the temple. All of a sudden, the Jews come. They take him. They drag him out. They want to kill him. They want to take his life in that very moment. But their attempt is stopped in Acts 21. And then as you move on in Acts 22, he's brought into the barracks. He's beaten. He's tortured. And then a plot comes about where uh, these men want to come against him and kill him in Acts 23. An ambush is set in Acts 25. Could you imagine living a life like this? Constantly, the threat's all around you. In Acts 27, he was on a crazy trip on the sea as Paul, while still in custody along with others, set sail for Rome. And what a trip it is. And then he was struck on the hand by a viper in Acts 28. Every time he turned around, danger, obstacle, great risk. And he summed it up like this in 2 Corinthians 11. We read it just a few minutes ago, but I want you to listen to this again. In verse 24, he tells us this. He says, five times I received from the Jews 39 lashes. Can we just pause for a second? Let's think about that. And we do this sometimes around Good Friday and, and around Easter. We think about the, the lashes that Jesus took when he would be beaten. And Paul gets 39 lashes five times. That's leather strips, probably at the end of them, shells or some kind of studded material at the end of them. And they will tear into his flesh. No doubt, he will fall on the ground. And this same back that will take these beatings will have dirt fill those wounds. They will get infected. They'll be healed months later. No stitches, no neosporin or anything like that rubbed on his back. They'll heal once. They'll heal twice. Can you imagine what his back looked like? Can you imagine just the feeling of like, man, no more, no more. Over a hundred different lashes taken. He then says three times in verse 25, I was beaten with rods. Once I was stoned. Three times I was shipwrecked. A night and a day I've spent in the deep. At this point you're like, I'm done, right? We'd be like, oh man, come on. I've been on frequent journeys, Paul says, in dangers from rivers, angers from robbers, dangers from my countrymen, dangers from the Gentiles, dangers in the city, dangers in the wilderness, dangers on the sea, dangers among false brethren. I, through many sleepless nights, in hunger and thirst, often without food, in cold and exposure. And we get a little frustrated, right, when it's a little cold in the house at night? <laughs> Maybe too hot. And then Paul says, apart from such external things in verse 28, there is this daily pressure on me of concern for all the churches. Wow. These external pressures, but, but I had this great concern for God's people. And that's why Paul was so willing to take these big risks. You see, he never knew where the next blow was coming from. He never knew where the next hit or painful lash was coming from. And so every new city he went to was risky. But he was willing to take the risk over and over. And so this morning, I want us to think about what, why were his accusers, why were his enemies so feverishly against him? Why did they go after him? Why did he face these things? And you remember in Acts 25, verse 19, he, he's standing uh, eventually before Festus. And Festus is going to share with King Agrippa that, that the reason why Paul is so sought after. And listen to what Festus tells King Agrippa about Paul. He says, they simply, 
his accusers, his enemies, this is kind of interesting. I mean, he, he kind of says it a little simple, like this is just kind of a simple problem. This is what he says. He says, they simply had some points of disagreement with Paul about their own religion. I don't think they were just some simple points <laughs> or some simple issue. And they had issue about a dead man named Jesus whom Paul asserted to be alive. That enraged his enemies. It, it, it fueled his accusers. And so every time Paul talked about Jesus, he knew it was risky. He, he knew what might come. He knew what obstacles he might face. I want us to think about obstacles this morning. What, you and I, what obstacles are we facing right now? We all face them. We go through them. They come our way. The waves of life, the circumstances of life brings them. One obstacle we all face, to one degree or another, no doubt, is the obstacle of fear. You think Paul was ever afraid? I imagine he was. I imagine he was many times. What are you afraid of this morning? See, the obstacle of fear can, can paralyze us. It can hold us in captivity. Is fear doing that to us today? You see, fear is real. God gave us the ability to fear when danger is coming. But sometimes fear can keep us experiencing God's best, God's fullest, and from living on mission, on living for God's aim. God has created you and I to live for his honor, for his exaltation in everything we do. But sometimes we can be afraid of losing face, of being humiliated, being embarrassed. We're afraid of what others may think. Whether you're young and old in here, we still deal with that. We can be afraid of what someone might do to us. You may be even losing our life. Does fear hold you back when it comes to living in obedience to Christ? Well, here's what I want to say this morning. God wants us not to be overtaken by fear but to be risk takers, to trust him and to be willing to pay prices, to be a risk taking church. As things get tough, we can at times lose heart, we can be discouraged, we can get down, we can wanna throw in the towel. And no doubt Paul faced that at times. That's why Jesus in Acts 23 verse 11, listen to what he says to him. Jesus tells Paul, he says, take courage. For as you have solemnly witnessed to my cause at Jerusalem, you must witness also at Rome. And can you imagine Paul at this? Paul was jazzed about going to Rome. He wanted to go to Rome. He asked to go to Rome. He wanted to see the emperor. Did you know that Paul probably would have never gotten to Rome, maybe never gotten to Rome if he didn't want to get to Rome? It was his desire. God granted him the desire of his heart. And he got there. But before he does, Jesus tells him, hey, take courage. I know the obstacles are great. I know they've been tough. They're gonna to get tougher. They are after Acts 23. They're gonna get wild at times. And Jesus encourages him. And in the face of trouble, listen to what Paul says four chapters later. I want us to hear this. As he is on the sea, on a rocky ship in the middle of the ocean, every reason to be fearful. Listen to what he tells his shipmates. Yet now I urge you, in verse 22 of chapter 27, to keep up your courage. He says, for there will be no loss of life among you, 
but only of the ship. All right. <laughs> I don't know, Paul, I don't know how comforting that is, but we'll go with you there, <laughs> especially if you're the guy that can't swim, right? For this very night, an angel of the God to whom I belong and whom I serve stood before me saying this, do not be afraid. Do not be afraid, Paul. You must stand before Caesar, and behold, God has granted you all those who are sailing with you. Therefore, keep up your courage. Men, for I believe God will turn it out exactly as I've been told. God continued to encourage Paul, and he continued to remain faithful to Paul and to his word. And Paul trusted God in the face of obstacles. But what drove Paul? And that's my burning question. As I read these last eight chapters of Acts, I'm like, oh, God, what drove him? Because after beat after beat, after lash after lash, after you know, a ship that, that wrecks, a snake that bites him, cold nights, what drives this man to take such risk? Listen to Paul's heart in Acts 26, 29. Listen to what he says. To King Agrippa, he says, I would wish to God that whether in a short or long time, not only you, King Agrippa, but also all who hear me this day might become as such as I am. What does Paul mean? That you might become like I am, a disciple, a follower of Christ, Christ's ambassador, a representative of Christ, a witness of Christ, that King Agrippa, you might even become that, except for my chains. I don't wish this on anyone but he's willing to pay the price. He's willing to take the chains so that they would become a servant of Christ. No matter the risk, no matter the cost, Paul wanted people to be saved. He wanted them to know Jesus Christ more than anything. He even says at one point to his own countrymen, to Jews, I'm willing to even to go to hell for your sake. How many of us are willing to say that? Paul was. He loved him that much. And he wanted them to know Christ. In Acts 20, 24, Paul says this, I do not consider my life of any count as dear to myself so that I may finish my course, the ministry which I received from the Lord Jesus to testify solemnly of the gospel of the grace of God. Paul considered his life nothing. He says in Philippians, as rubbish compared to the knowledge of knowing Christ my Savior to living for him, to, to giving my life for him, to sharing the gospel, to exalting him and honoring him. Even to death, Paul said, my life is worth it. I'm willing to give it up. For the sake of the gospel, for the sake of living for the glory of God, of making much of Jesus, that was his drive. And that's why even risks to Paul, they just don't seem like risks, do they? So my encouragement to us today is, is to be risk takers every day. And, he, and here's what I mean, and, and I'm gonna give you some categories here. Uh, the first one is this, in our witness. Okay, hopefully I've kind of riled you up this morning, a little cheerleader talk, all right? Um, but think about it on a practical level. What does risk look like every day for Christ? The first one, obviously here, is, is our witness. Is our witness. What are you afraid of when it comes to witnessing? I, I'll be honest with you. I, when I began ministry, I was, I was scared to death. Scared to death. I was the guy that sat in the back of the class, and if there was a project, whether it was in middle school or high school or even college, especially college, 
especially the early days in college before I, I got called to ministry, I, I would be the guy, if we had a group project, I, I'm out on speaking in public because I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to get, you're going to see uh, armpit sweat in the first minute, just FYI on that. So that's why I wear, even today still, I wear undershirts for hygiene reasons. That's the only reason. Just let, letting you know. Just letting you know. A little, little side note. All right? So I go through undershirts. So, uh, <laughs> but that was, I mean, I would get petrified in front of people. Petrified. And some people know me today, and you're like, dude, you'll talk to anybody. You'll talk to a wall, you'll, you'll, and you'll carry on and keep talking. It's only 1047. I did a clock check, just FYI. So we're good. But you'll just keep, but, but that was not how I rolled back in the day. I was scared to death. I remember my first talk. I was 19, and God was beginning to stir my heart to ministry. And a buddy of mine who was still in high school came to me and says, listen, I'm part of this thing. It's part of Campus Crusade. It's called Student Venture. It's part of high school. And dude, I want you, will you come and talk to high school students? And I'm like, and, and, and all I'm thinking of, God, I don't want to, God, I don't want to, God, I don't want to, I don't want to, I don't want to. And then God's saying, you're going to, you're going to, you're going to, you're going to. And I just heard yes come out of my mouth. And I'm like, oh, okay, yeah. And I remember, I mean, I had like a month to prepare for this thing. And, and, and I remember I, I got a stand and I got notes, tons of notes. And, and like I still do today. And, and I put them on a stand and I stood in front of my mom's mirror and I just spoke. <laughs> like, if I'm going to do this, I mean, this is, we're going to have to really work this thing out of this fear thing. And, and, and the topic, it was right around Valentine's Day, and, I, and I've learned, obviously, through ministry, th through 20 years now, that um, you clue in a little quicker, because they wanted me to come talk on purity and sexual purity and all this kind of stuff. I'm like, what in the world am I thinking? This is my first talk, <laughs> and I'm walking into this. <laughs> and I thought, dude, this, I mean, it was, it was miserable. I mean, many people are like, Dude, yeah, that was awesome getting up and talking. It was miserable. But I remember my buddy come up to me afterwards and said, hey, you know what, that was, that was really good. And I'm like, and my inside I'm like, well, I'm glad you thought so because it was the worst thing. It was just miserable. And God eventually helped me overcome that fear. And, and, and in witnessing too, I mean, specifically just getting up and, and, and going to someone and, and sharing the gospel with them. Sometimes we just, we hate that whole idea of, of losing face and what they might think of us. And, and, but here's what I want to tell you. It's worth the risk. It's worth it. And I've learned with every risk in witnessing and every risk in, in standing before people and every th price that, that we pay to do that, the cost of doing it, the more you do it, the greater joy you receive, the greater honor he receives, and, it, and every time, God never fails. Does that mean that person's gonna come to Christ every time you share? No, no. It, it, could it mean they say no and they make fun of you or whatever that may look like at school or whatever it may look like or they might shun you, they might not have anything to do with you anymore? Could that be the case? Sure, sure. But with every risk of that, it's worth it. And so help the Lord help you overcome the fear of, of witnessing. We've talked a lot about witnessing in the last year. We've talked a lot about it. I mean, Acts is just filled of, of just encouragement to encourage us to hold out the gospel of hope. And I pray 
that, they, that we would be faithful to do that. Um, second, relationships. Relationships are risky. Can I get an amen? <laughs> they are. I mean, they are. You might think, what? I've never really thought about that. Well, they are. Let me just give you permission to think of it that way. Because <laughs> they, they are. Relationships are risky. Um, you, you think about this. If you love anybody or care for anybody, you are into risk. You are. Um, think about what Paul says, and then I want you to watch this video in just a second. But think about what Paul says, 1 Corinthians 13. Because this type of love is risky. In verse four through seven, Paul says, love is patient, love is kind. Love is not jealous, it's not bragging. It is not arrogant, it does not act unbecomingly. It doesn't seek its own, it is not easily provoked. It does not take into account a wrong suffered, does not rejoice in unrighteousness, but rejoices with the truth. It bears all things, it believes all things, it hopes all things and endures all things. That kind of love is risky. Listen to this. Hi, I'm James, and as you're watching this, I'm actually living in Salvador, Bahia, Brazil. Uh, so I just want to take a minute and tell you how we got there. My wife and I, Sara, were married in 1995. Uh, neither one knew the Lord at that time, and we had no family around us. And as life often does, we were presented with some difficult circumstances. We had a number of miscarriages and uh, culminating finally in the loss of a pregnancy just prior to seven months along and got the news that she would never be able to carry a pregnancy to term. Uh, at the same time, uh, I was dealt a little bit of a blow on the career and job front with a company that went under with much, uh, not much notice and I was kind of shuffling to, to find my way and find something else in the job front. Bottom line, uh, the circumstances of life kind of left us at that point in time just uh, kind of numb and broken and without hope. My wife had decided at that point, being a, um, an only child of a, of a single mother uh, and her mother reaching into her 70s in Brazil, uh, that she wanted to return home uh, to care for her mother and to just get back to life in Brazil. Um, so we ended up separating, uh, separating for a time. Um, at that point, I was just as lost as she was um, I had a career opportunity that came up in Texas. Uh, my family had all relocated back to Texas, so I, I moved to Texas, packed up, moved back to Texas to start a new job and a new life uh, on my own. Um, shortly thereafter, um, there was another crisis in the family that came up with the death of a brother. But it was through that crisis uh, that I came to know the Lord. Uh, it was at that time uh, that I learned how God can put hope into your life. Uh, regardless of what the world's trying to take from you. Um, really, um, in spending four days in a surgical intensive care unit, uh, my older brother was in a serious accident and was passing. Um, there were these guys from my younger brother's church that just kept showing up. Every time I turned around, there was three to six guys um, taking care of the family, asking what they could do, praying for us, praying over us. And I had never experienced anything like that before in my life. It really left me with a feeling, an awe, of the love, the unselfishness, uh, and the service that these guys were providing. I, I just had never seen anything like that before. Uh, and it led me to take going to church with my brother a little bit more seriously, and I really started opening my heart to the Lord. Uh, and really, that's how I came to know Christ. I was blessed to have other people put into my life by the Lord that, that helped me to grow in my faith and in my walk. Um, 
spiritual discipleship was was key to my learning and my growing and my understanding so that I could turn around and show the love of Christ to others, specifically uh, with my wife. Um, the Lord had left doors and windows open uh, for us to get back together. We, we visited uh, and, and I've traveled to Brazil and she's traveled here on and off over the years. The growth that I received from people pouring into me uh, is now enabling me to, to move forward and walk forward in obedience and showing that love of Christ to my wife, uh, which is why I'm traveling to Brazil. So I've learned in my walk with the Lord that God is not restricted by time and space, obviously, and, and hope is not restricted by time. Uh, it's been a number of years that we've been separated, uh, but the Lord has worked on both of our hearts and made it possible uh, given that opening uh, for me to be able to move to Brazil uh, and to be able to share the love of Christ and to, and to share with my wife uh, and to be able to uh, move forward in our reconciliation of our marriage uh, and with, uh, with all the hope in my heart for her to be uh, comfortable and confident and to find salvation and believe in the Lord as well. Uh, and uh, for the both of us to be able to walk forward from there uh, to the glory of his name. Sometimes it's easy just to kind of fold up and say, okay, this this done. And sometimes that, that happens. That's, that's reality um, in marriage. But but I love about James is, is, is nine years of separation. And, and God, um, before he came to Christ, God, you know, stuck, you know, held the marriage together, sustained it uh, as far as just not officially being divorced, uh, though separated. And then through coming to Christ and then God just working on his heart and then, you know, God bringing him here and then being, being able to see him and just, uh, even just over the last year, the last few months, just that the, the things, that the prices, the, the cost it, 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 would, it would take to, uh, to say yes to reconciliation. And just to see Christ working on uh, his wife's heart and, and now praying that she would come to know fa- uh, Christ and, and, and place faith in him. It's a beautiful picture of, of, of what God has called us to. Um, in nine years, you might think, wow, it's just long, it's just long. Um, I'm encouraging a guy right now that, that I'm in a relationship with. It's, it's been four years, and I keep encouraging him. He calls me often and says, okay, I need a word not to be discouraged and, and, and to stick it out and, and to stay faithful um, and to fight uh, for a marriage. And, 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 it, and it's hard. But as we think about love here, what, what love looks like, um, it, it's loving and it's caring for someone. And, and what, what the risk is, is it's not about you. It's not about me, right, in that relationship. It's not about pride. It's, it's dying to self. And, and let's just be honest. Can we be honest about that this morning? For some of us, and many of us in here, maybe all of us in here, that's a risky thing. It's not about me. And, and sometimes, that's the biggest hump to get over, the biggest obstacle. And especially in relationships, it's not about me, it's not about pleasing me, but it's about serving the other. And so what does that look like, of course, in marriage? That we would die to ourselves, die to the flesh. 
But it's like that in every daily life, friendships and, and relationships, that we would be willing to forgive, that we would be, able to be willing to overlook offenses to, to our own value and our own glory, but, but that we would love people. That can be risky. For some of us in here, maybe we're, we, there is divorce in, in our past. Maybe our, our parents and stuff like that. And so maybe we're filled with that feeling of, listen, I, I don't want to venture into marriage one day. I don't even want to think about that because of the hurt you see and the pain you see and stuff like that. And here's what I would say. Trust God and be willing to, to look at what love really is and, and to not let that be an obstacle. So Love relationships. It's enduring. This kind of love is long-suffering. It's willing to not bail out. It's, it's willing to lay down our own desires and love the other. So take the risk. Here's what this looked like in my life. Oh, about five or six years ago. Um, growing up, I had, we were kind of this perfect picture family on the outside. There was four of us, two. I have two sisters. I have a twin brother. And uh, we went to church every Sunday pretty much until soccer came kind of in the picture uh, a little bit in high school. But, but we still were connected to the church and, and, and went to church and, and people saw us. But, but behind closed doors, things were pretty rocky at times in, in my mom and dad's marriage. And uh, they got divorced when I was a senior in high school. So it kind of rocked my world. Um, and my relationship with, with my dad struggled uh, for many years, many years, uh, for many different reasons. And I remember o- over that, this time span, even with having kids and stuff like that, and, and every once in a while, he'd, he'd, we'd pop in and out of, of seeing each other and just talking to each other, but there really wasn't a relationship. And really what it came down to was me, was me. Ultimately, I mean, there was a lot of excuses I could make to say, him. But ultimately, I had to overcome me. Hurt, forgiveness issues, struggles, pointing of fingers, all that, and all of it came back to me. I was the problem. And I remember about five or six years ago, I was talking to my wife, and I said, listen, I really got to pray about this, and I really just got to take a step. And I didn't want to. I mean, I did not want to. And I remember calling my dad and saying, hey, let's get to lunch. Let's, and I was like, okay. And so we went to lunch. And, and I just remember the whole time, just, just, it was tough. It was tough. And I remember going home and telling my wife, I, I do not want to do this. And I remember us just praying and praying. And God started working on my heart to where not only, it, he, he changed me from, from not wanting to do it, but, but to wanting to do it that I couldn't wait to call my dad. I couldn't wait to, to go have lunch with him. And all I could say is he took somebody who didn't want to, the obstacle was me, and he, and he turned it and flipped it upside down. He did that, because I sure didn't want to. And I could say this for, for five years now, my, my dad and I have a, a, a really good relationship. We talk often, we see each other often. We've gone and seen the last two Star Wars movies together, which is awesome. My kids go with us to the Star Wars movie, which is pretty cool when you're sitting with your, your dad and then your kids. I mean, that's pretty cool. I'm like, but that's a joy I would have missed out on if I was not willing to overcome me and let God get rid of the obstacle of me because I was the obstacle. 
ultimately. Now, if somebody sat down and heard the story there and say, no, 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 you're, on, you're not the obstacle. Biblically speaking, though, I was the obstacle. And today, my, my prayer is that my, my dad eventually would come to faith and, and know Christ. But, but the joy we're experiencing now is, is unbelievable. And that's what God does when we take steps out and, and, and be willing to pay the price and, and take the cost. Sometimes it may not end up good, i.e. Paul. But he wants us to take the risk. There's a few other risks I was going to give you. I'll, I'll send them out in the e-news. But ultimately, here's what I want you to see. In Romans chapter 8, here's our hope. How do you and I take risk? And we'll end on this. Listen to what Paul says. He says this, Who will separate us from the love of Christ? Will tribulation, distress, persecution, famine, nakedness, peril, or sword? Paul faced it all. Just as it is written, for your sake, we're being put to death all day long. We were considered as sheep to be slaughtered, but in all these things we overwhelmingly conquer through Jesus who loved us. For I am convinced that neither death, nor life, nor angels, principalities, things present, things to come, powers, height, nor depth, or any other created thing will be able to separate us from the love of God which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Paul mentioned all these things that, that he experienced. And Christ's love didn't, didn't spare him from these sufferings, didn't spare him from these costs. In fact, Paul would say Christianity is full of risk, it's full of pain, but it's not joyless. It's a joyful ride, but it will cost you. And obedience, it risks. But the gain far outweighs any cost. And here's what Paul would encourage us with as we close today, is to think about this, that every sacrifice you make, every negative thing that comes your way, God takes it, and he makes you more than conquerors, in it and through it. A conqueror conquers his enemy. But Paul says here, Jesus can make us more than a conqueror. Satan means things for evil. God takes it, and he means it for good. And so what that means for you and I, it is right to risk for the cause of Christ because even if it ends in death, which is the greatest fear of man, and if we trust Christ for what was meant to defeat us, turns out for our good. And what does that mean? Eternal joy. And Paul saw this, that every negative thing, every evil thing that comes at us and, and pushes on us, not only does God allow us to conquer those things, but those things become more than conquerors for us. They turn out for our good and for the glory of Christ. And so the conclusion is this, to take risk for Christ is not a wasted life. It's not a wasted life. It is a well-lived life. And that's the kind of church Jesus wants us to be. It's what he wants Paul to be. It's what he wants you and I to be. So let us expect great things from God. Let us love people, even though it's risky. For some of us in here, we're new to the ridge. We've maybe been coming for a few weeks or a few months. And sometimes it's hard getting plugged into a church. Let me encourage you, take the risk. Take the leap. Take the jump. Be willing to. On the flip side, maybe you've been here 10 years. Maybe you've been here five or two. And maybe for some of us, we get in these positions where we coast. We enjoy comfort. We like it. I pray today that God would rattle you out of comfort and call you 
take some risks for him. That may be witnessing. It may be in a relationship right now where you need to make a hard call, pick up the phone, or go talk with somebody. Christ-exalting risk. In the end, I think Paul would say there was no risk at all. It was just joy. I pray that would be us, that we'd be able to say that for the glory of God. Let's pray.